Awesome. If you haven't noticed, I'm not Pastor Mike. Uh, Pastor Mike is about yay tall and yay anointed, and that's not me. But I am, my name is Kent, and I am the pastor for our Gilroy campus. And if you know anybody who lives in Gilroy, we have services there on Sundays at 10 o'clock. And, you know, I think we have some people from Gilroy here, right? Amen? All right. And also over the single adults ministry. How many people are single here? Single adults? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. We have a single adults ministry in this church. And we're actually going to have a conference, single adults conference in May. So watch out for that. Also, I'm over the young adults ministry. Uh, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30-ish, yeah, early 30s, um, we meet on Mondays at 6.30. We have dinner here at uh, Volunteer Central. And then uh, we dive into the Word around 7 o'clock. So if you want to join us, it's going to be at Volunteer Central uh, every Monday. And also, I'm over the internship and scholarship program. I don't know if you have, know anybody who's going to college. We provide internship and scholarship in this church. So I'm not telling you all this to tell you that I'm doing a lot of things. I'm telling you all this because I want to I let you know that there's a lot of different ministries and different opportunities for you to grow in this church. And because of your generosity and your faithfulness, are we able to do that and share the word of the Lord at the same time? Amen? All right. So for those of you who are watching online, welcome as well. Thank you for joining us. It's just amazing how technology nowadays, you can make this happen. But at the same time, you know, technology can be, I don't know, sometimes it can be scary. You know, just like the video that we watch, you know, like sometimes you're kind of like scared to do something because everybody's just trying to catch somebody to, 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 to be a failure or something, right? Like, and, and somebody would tell you, oh, you're guilty. That's pretty much like our society nowadays. And it's just, it's just insane how, I don't know how we got here. But definitely you're not here because of coincidence. That's for sure. Coincidence happens. These are events that happen at the same time by accident, but... Uh, and, and, um, but for some reason, there's, there, there's a connection. And if you've lived long enough, you've probably said those words, what a coincidence. And tonight is not one of those nights. Tell somebody next to you that it's not a coincidence. Tonight, we're going to be looking into a story about a woman that, Jesus had encountered with this woman on his way from Judea to Galilee. So we're going to look into this story, and we're going to see the heart of Jesus and what he thinks of us and how he sees us. But before uh, we dive into that, I'm going to ask one of our Gilroy youth members that she's going to read for us the scripture, and just and we can start the word with, with her reading. Welcome, Stephanie. Come on up. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan, Miss Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, you can, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave it this well and drank it from himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water... I give them will become in the in a spring of water welling up. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, let your every single word that will be spoken today, Lord, penetrate our hearts that we will know your heart and know you even better. Lord, help us to be transformed to the image of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Stephanie. All right, before we dive into that story that Stephanie just read, let me just give you a, a brief history um, about why the Samaritans and the Jews have had this feud going on. I know there's a lot of you probably wondering, I don't know why they keep you know, talking about Jews and Samaritans. So, okay, let me, let me start with uh, the history of Israel. So when the Israelites possessed their promised land, the Israelites gave what was able to get their inheritance, and there's about 12 tribes. So these are the sons of Jacob. So there's 12 tribes that uh, comprises the, the nation of Israel. And when after the, the reign of King Solomon, I don't know if you guys remember King Solomon. King Solomon with 700 wives and 300 concubines. In the meantime, I can't even get one. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I just, that's not in my script. Uh, but after King Solomon, the kingdom split up. So there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom, Samaria is part of the, part of the northern kingdom. It's a region in, in the northern kingdom. And there was a time in the history of Israel that they were taken into exile, to captivity, to Assyria. So the king of Assyria repopulated the area with other captives from different nations. And because of this, the intermarriage between the foreigners in that land and the Jews complicated the ancestry of Samaria, the Samaritans. So does that make sense? So let me give you a more, uh, a better example that we can relate to. Since baseball season is coming up, do we have any, and we're in the Bay Area, right? So how many Giants fans do we have in this area? Giants, all right, cool. Do we have any Dodgers fans here? All right, cool. Next question is why? Just kidding. We're in the Bay Area. I love you, Pastor Mike. So, okay, let, let me tell you a story. So let's, let, if this is your name, don't write me an email. This is just a hypothetical story. All right, so there's a couple named Gilbert, and uh, let's call her Daisy. So Gilbert and Daisy have known each other since kindergarten. They started dating as a teenager. And when they became adults, they're really big Giants fans. So they actually have a, a season pass ticket, so they always go to Giants games. So they love each other, and three months before uh, Gilbert was deployed to Afghanistan, let's just put it that way, um, he proposed to Daisy. 
So when he proposed to Daisy, Daisy accepted, and so they were looking forward to a bright future ahead of them. Two months into his deployment, Daisy just wrote him a letter and says, I'm breaking up with you, with no explanation, just breaking up with you. So when he came back from deployment, not only that he found out that Daisy was already married, right? I heard somebody said, oh, no, she didn't. Um, not only that she was married, she was married to a Dodgers fan. Whoa, now it got real, right? Now it got real. So we were not talking about Israelis, Israelis and, Israel and Samaritans. We don't get it, but now it got real, right? So she got married to a, a, a Dodgers fan. So that's the reason why the, Samar the Jews hated the Samaritans, not because they married the Dodgers fan, but because they're not pure Jews anymore. So does that make sense? So that, this is the reason why they have this feud. So the Jews hated the Samaritans. And because of this, every time that they go to, from north to south or back, back and forth, instead of going through Samaria, they would go around the Jordan River so that way they don't have to go through Samaria. So this is a, a, a thing that they do back then. This is normal for them. So, but if we go back to the story in, in John chapter 4, it says now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. I mean, for us, it would probably make sense because it's shorter. But it's not a coincidence that this is what he had to do. So it's not a coincidence. It's, it's a, it, there's purpose behind it when he, when he went through uh, Samaria. So... For us, again, it's, it's very natural. Yeah, it's the shortest way to get there. But for them, it wasn't. It wasn't normal. So you think that Jesus, as a Jew, would know better. But he, had, he did what he had to do. And also the disciples. I mean, I know that there was no DoorDash back in the day. But really, like, they all have to go together, all of them, to pick up food. Like, how much food are they picking up for them to leave Jesus there by himself, right? And also, the time of the day, noon, I mean, it's a desert. And it's, I mean, how many of you have been to Vegas in the summertime? What happens in Vegas? No, I'm not going to go there. Um, it's hot, right? So imagine that these, peop the, the, these people at noontime, they would be resting somewhere, right? But no, they're picking up food. Jesus, was, Jesus stayed behind. And because he did that, he had an encounter with this woman. And this woman would go to the well at noontime because of shame. Not a lot of people, probably none, would go to pick up water at that, that time of the day. They would usually go in the morning because it's, you know, it's, it's more convenient. It's, it's not hot. And they would all gather and pick, get water and use it for the rest of the day. But this woman would go it, at noontime because nobody was there. And the thing is, Jesus didn't have anything to get water with, right? That's what the Bible says. He did not have anything. What was he doing there by the well? So most likely, nobody was there that, was, that can help him. So not knowing all these details, you would think that, oh, it was a simple story back then. Now it got complicated, Knowing all this background between the Samaritans and the Jews, knowing about the, the time of day, 
knowing about this woman, you know, like back in the day, women are second-class citizens because they're, you know, that's, that's part of their culture. So because of all these details that we get from the story, now it got complicated. We're going to camp here for a little bit. Sometimes we look at our situation that way. We look at our situation that it's, it's too complicated. I don't know, if I have a dollar for every time somebody would tell me, you know, Pastor, it's, it's too complicated. You, you have no idea how difficult my situation is. It's, it's too much. It's not that easy. So you, you can't tell me that I can just give it to the Lord. It's impossible. It's too much for me. And you don't, you know, you think that you, you know better, but really, it's, it's really not that, that, that easy. And I've had multiple conversations that way, like that, in, throughout the whole decade of my ministry. But really, what I think doesn't matter. What I think about your situation doesn't matter. What you need to ask yourself is, is, is the Lord capable? Is he able? Is he strong enough? In Isaiah 59, 1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, his ear too dull to hear. His arms are not too short to save. Jesus is not intimidated by the complexities of your situation. If this is your story tonight, maybe you should take your focus off of your mess and focus on the one who can make things new in your life. Amen. All right, so let's go back to the story in this encounter. Uh, this woman did not start the conversation. She was there to pick up water. Jesus asked the question and asked her for a drink of water. He says, give me a drink. Give me a cup. Let's ask ourselves this question. The Son of God himself creator of the universe, would ask water for the, from this woman. Does that make sense? The creator of the universe himself asking something from this woman, from this stranger, from this Samaritan woman. And if you look back to the story in John chapter 4, uh, verse 13 to 14, when Jesus asked, will you give me a drink? When, when woman, the woman says, you know, having that conversation, Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So imagine Jesus asking, give me a drink, and now he's saying, that water is not going to satisfy you. So Jesus is not really asking for a drink, is he? Because why would he ask for a drink if he knows that that water coming from that well is not really going to satisfy? So... We question God when we have to give up something. That's what we do. Like, why would God take this away from me? Why do I have to break up with this person? Why do I have to, to give up this job? Or whatever that is that you have to give up. And we think that God is keeping things from us. Sometimes we think that way, don't we? Why is God take, withholding things from us? And he doesn't want me to be happy. He doesn't want me to enjoy life. And in reality, what we really need to understand is God is not taking away things from you. He's actually giving you more than what you need in this life, but what you can use that will last you for all your eternity. That's what matters. So 
we see what's just in front of us. That's what we see. We're, we're, we're nearsighted. Jesus sees the big picture. He knows our beginning. He knows our end. So he knows how to handle every situation that we have. So if I have to trust somebody that can help me in every situation that I am in, I would, I would do that for somebody who I know knows how it all ends, correct? So Jesus didn't need a drink from her. When he asked, him, asked her, will you give me a drink? He didn't really need a drink from her. He wanted to give her something. In John chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again and come back here. Right? That's what he's trying to say. Is, give me this water and I don't have to, to come back here. And what he's just trying to say is, wait, is there, there is a way. There's, a, there's a, a way for me not to come back here anymore because I don't want to be back every, every single day at noontime. It's so hot. So if there's a way that I don't have to come back here, yeah, give it to me. Let me know. Tell me how, how it's done. Maybe at this point, she was already sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, he's, she's been going through the, this life that, that she's living, and she doesn't want to pick up water at, at noontime anymore. And Jesus' response in, in verses 16 to 18 says, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Okay, so how did this happen? They're having a conversation about water, drinking water, and all of a sudden, Jesus is like, go call her your husband. He, she says, I want this drink. I want this water. And Jesus says, go call your husband. How did it get there? And five husbands? I mean, we're not here to judge. I mean, that's, that's a story, I and mean, that's not my story. It says, five husbands. If you know, you know the Bible, if you read the Bible, five is a number of grace. How many of you are aware of that? Five is a number of grace. And it's not an accident that there is an Old Testament law that says if a husband suspects that the wife is, is, is committing adultery, what he needs to do is take the wife to the priest in the temple, and the priest would get a cup of water, get a dirt from the temple ground, mix it with the water, and in Numbers chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, it says the priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off into the bitter water. He shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. That's rude. I mean, this woman, being suspected of, of cheating, be brought to the high priest and made her drink this water. She's forced to drink this water. And not just bitter, it contains a curse. So what happens is when, when after she drinks that water, eventually when she becomes barren, she cannot bear children, it means that she cheated, that she's guilty. But if she's able to bear a child, then she's innocent. But nevertheless, she's forced to drink this bitter water. This doesn't make sense. They force her to drink this water containing a curse. When Jesus asked the woman for a drink, remember in the beginning he says, give me a drink. Will you give me a drink? 
Jesus was not asking her, was not telling her, hey, you have something that will quench my thirst, give it to me. Jesus is telling this woman, give me your curse. Let that sink in for a little bit. Jesus is not thirsty. He's not requiring something from the woman, but Jesus is telling this woman, give me your curse. You don't have to live in shame anymore. You don't have to condemn yourself anymore. And if you really look into the story, he did not ask this woman to do something, perform for him, and, and, and show, him, show him that she's really a good person now. There's nothing like that. Jesus just says, give me your curse. And it's true. It's the Lord's kindness that brings people to repentance. It's not acts. It's not your work. It's not, your, it's not how you perform. It's not, not any of that. But it's really the Lord's kindness. Later on in Jesus' ministry, um, there, she was teaching in a temple. And a group of men brought a woman to him. And in, in John chapter 8, verse 4 to 6, they said, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. Now, that, now do, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So they brought this woman committing adultery that they caught committing adultery, and they were asking Jesus, hey, the law of Moses says we should stone her. But what did Jesus do? He didn't say anything, got down on the ground, right, wrote something in the ground. And I don't know exactly what he wrote on the ground. What they did after that was they slowly dropped their stones one by one and left. I don't know exactly what he wrote on the ground. The Bible doesn't say that. But it's clear to me that it's not a coincidence that that dirt on that temple ground that the law says that you can use to curse people, Jesus used that same dirt to turn away her accusers. Jesus is asking for your curse, that he can take it on. And he's not here to accuse you. He actually wants to turn away your accusers. Let me t- ask you this. Maybe this is, if there's anything that you can take away from, from tonight. From here, from here on, now that you know this story, now that you've heard this story, now that you've learned, you have no excuse not to know this anymore because you already learned it, you already heard it, when you go out there in the world, when you go out to your families, to your friends, before you offer a cup to somebody, literally or figuratively, if it's a drink or if it's your life, if you offer something to somebody, ask yourself first, will this bring guilt or will this bring life? Will this bring curse or will this bring blessing? Ask yourself that before you hand some, some, somebody your cup. This is the longest recorded conversation Jesus had with any individual in the scripture. And this conversation ended with 
verse 25 to 26, as the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. The Old Testament prophets pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus and pointed to the people that he is the Messiah. His disciples would say he is the, he is the Messiah. But Jesus never said anything that I am the Messiah until now. It's not a coincidence that Jesus chose an outcast, a second-class citizen who's been married five times, to share and to reveal the big, biggest revelation in the history of mankind. It's not a coincidence. Let me um, share with you a story that happened in this church. I'm going to call the worship team up here. So this story happened about 15 years ago. You know, as pastors, we hear a lot of stories in this church. We don't usually share it, um, but this, I think this is something that we, I, I need to share. So 15 years ago, a young man walked in this service, a midweek service, and he sat towards the back of this, um, this uh, aisle right here. And because, you know, when you sit at the back, you know, it's, it's easier to go out if you're not enjoying the service anymore, or if Pastor Mike is not preaching, it's easier for you to, to go out. That's what happens, right? <laughs> so you go out there, so... He sat at the back, and at this point in his life, he made a mess out of his life. All the decisions that he made, the things that he did in his life, it's just a whole mess that he's really willing to just give up. He doesn't know what to do anymore, and he's willing to give up. One day, he, when he received the Lord, he kept coming. He just kept on coming and coming and coming, and the problem that he had stayed the same. It never went away. So he just prayed one day, God, I don't need an answer. I don't need an explanation. I just need peace. Take away everything from me. Just give me peace. That's all I need. And he had this situation, which is the biggest, the worst situation that's ever been in, in his life. But for some reason, he had peace. And this didn't make sense to him at that moment. Why am I having peace? Why is this peace here? But when, when he realized, Pastor Mike in this class will always say, peace that passes all understanding. I don't know if you've sat in this service and you, you hear something that he says and then you'll realize, wait, is he talking about me? Is it listening to my prayers or my conversations? That's the exact uh, um, dialogue that he's having in his head. Why would he say that? And he realized that the peace that passes all understanding is exactly what he was going through. And because of those words that Pastor Mike spoke here over and over and over again, he says, if there's one thing in the Bible that pertains to my life that can save me, there's got to be more. So he pursued to know more about the Bible. And he went to Bible college. My point is, it's not a coincidence that 15 days ago, Pastor Mike asked that same man who came here 15 years ago, who sat on the 15th row, to tell you that God's love for you is not a coincidence. God's love for you, it's not a coincidence. A love that's willing to walk a road less traveled. 
a love that will trade your curse for his blessings, and a love that will take all the accusations against you and, and declare you not guilty. Fifteen years ago, I walked into this church broken, and I wanted to end my life. But because of the gospel, what I heard up here made me realize there's got to be something more in my life. And I know that it's not, amen, it's not a coincidence that you guys are here tonight. The worship team is going to come up and minister to us. And we're going to open the altar. If this is the moment that you realize that I need that cup. You don't have to wait 15 years. You don't have to wait 15 days nor 15 minutes. What Jesus is offering you is something not just for this life, for, for the rest of your eternity. And that you should be excited about. So we're going to open the altar and we're going to invite you to come up. If this is your moment that you feel like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, let us receive a cup from the Lord.
stand please you're welcome I know it's hard on us when we kneel a long time on that concrete but let me say something to you the rest of the story is that when she left Jesus at the well this woman went back in town and she told the whole town let me tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did, come and meet him. When she came back to the town, the disciples were wondering, what's Jesus doing talking to a woman, as Pastor Kent explained. But what Jesus did is he used the forgiveness he offered her, give her the strength to bring hundreds of people to Jesus as a Messiah. And you may think, if you want to, go ahead, give him a hand of praise. And what Satan tells us is you made a mistake, so you must be a mistake. But that's not what Jesus says. As Pastor Ken said, give me your curse. So Jesus is saying to you, give me your mistake. I'm going to make you a lighthouse for me. You're going to be used for my glory. Come on, to bring many, many people to you. You are. You are. God will use you. And I know you may think, come on, how could he use me? It's going to be all his grace. He gets all the glory. And people will be astounded, just like this woman. It's not in the, the story's not there by mistake. But you may have already put yourself down. What we're here to do tonight is to lift you back up and let you feel forgiveness. Come on. So if you know anything, your pastor loves to smile. So I want you to smile right now. Some of you are looking down. It hasn't gotten to you yet, but God wants you to walk different, to talk different, and to be different. Give him one more hand of praise. We're going to give the benediction right now as we get ready to dismiss you. Shay? Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace so that you can trust in him and have faith in him. And so that you will be able to be able to believe in everything that he has done in and for your life. And that he is with you, he is for you, and nothing and no one can separate us from him. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. Good night. Pastor Mike and the midweek team want to thank Pastor Kent and the Gilroy worship team for blessing us here tonight. God bless you. Pastor Mike's new series is next week.